This is episode number 48 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation on your Jelly of the Month Club podcast. I'm Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. Happy holidays, Mandy. Happy Christmas, Matthew. (laughs) Which is always so weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we have lots of listeners who don't necessarily celebrate Christmas, so happy whatever your season is. Happy a break from work. Or <laughs> generally happy watching people. Run- yeah. Yes. Happy watch people around the world get excited over a lorry. Do, actually, do you call it the, the like the Coca Cola truck? I don't know what you're talking about. Is the Coca Cola lorry not a thing over there? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Oh, we have this thing like a, a big, like lit up lorry of Coca Cola, and like it goes through towns, and, and like the Coca Cola advert going on TV is the start of the Christmas season for some. I assumed it was an Americanization, because it feels it. (laughs) The Coca-Cola commercials, the Christmas commercials, are a thing. Okay. Um, That's definitely a thing. It's been, it it was more of a thing when I was younger than it is now, but it's definitely a thing. But I don't know anything about a truck. Ah, okay. I don't think the truck is a thing. uh, It's a lorry that drives through a village, and there's a kid who's very sad because he misses it as it goes through, but then, like, Santa throws a Coca-Cola bottle at him and then winks from the back, back of the truck. And then I think there is actually a, a lorry that goes around to different places. Cool. Okay. So Christmas, we're we're going to be covering three Christmas films. Um, I f- I feel like at the start of this, it's probably worth establishing our opinions, our feelings on Christmas, whether we're a Grinch, a, Scoo- a Scrooge, an Angel, Santa Claus, whatever. Um, do you want to kick off, Mandy? What are your feelings on Christmas? It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's all I need nice. to say. Christmas is the best. I love Christmas. It's my favorite. I put up my Christmas tree on November 7th. I decorated the outside of my house on November 15th. And I'm just really super excited about everything because Christmas is the best. It just makes me happy. Nice. That's good. (laughs) Nobody else is really as excited about Christmas as I am. So Matthew, what are your thoughts on Christmas? I love Christmas as well. I think Christmas is fantastic. I love Christmas songs. I love Christmas movies. I love putting up Christmas stuff in December. <laughs> <laughs> I love advent calendars and, and having fun, quirky Christmas things. So I've got like a Darth Vader Santa Claus bobblehead that goes out my desk every year. I've got a snowman robot thing that goes out my desk. I've got uh, Gizmo from Gremlins in a Santa outfit that goes on the tree. I have Mario Christmas decorations. <laughs> you name it. Okay. But but I'm not allowed to, to think about Christmas until pretty much at least mid-November uh, after my partner's birthday. Because that's in November, so we have to get past that first. Of and course. Then, and then we can get into the Christmas period. Okay. Hmm. My birthday has always fallen traditionally either the week of or the week right after Thanksgiving. And so Thanksgiving, my birthday, and Christmas have always been kind of the same. <laughs> Mm. But not. And so when I was a kid, we had a tradition of we would get our tree the day after Thanksgiving. And that weekend was when we did everything Christmas related. That's when the Christmas season started because we would usually do my birthday on Thanksgiving. And so then my birthday and Thanksgiving get out of the way. And then the rest of the time is Christmas. 
which was okay. wonderful as a kid. I never questioned it, whatever. I loved nice. it. The day after Thanksgiving was always the day I looked forward to. But then I became an adult and I bought my own house and I realized I'm a grown ass woman and I can do what I want. <laughs> and I love Christmas. And so I want to enjoy my pretty Christmas decorations and the beautiful lights for longer than three weeks or a month. And so I have gradually moved it back earlier and earlier. And now it's like right after Halloween, I start listening to Christmas mm-hmm. music and it's wonderful. Nice. Because I love Christmas. Yeah. We have, it's not a tradition. My mum my had a particular cake that they always bought at Christmas when she was a girl. And then growing up, she would always buy it for my, you know, her family. But it doesn't go into the shops until something like the 14th of December. So it's very much once Tunis cake is available, that's Christmas. That's like, okay, we're into the countdown now. Okay. It's very, it, it's a very, I mean, it's, to everyone else, it's a very ordinary cake. But to me, it's like, oh, <laughs> this is available. It's Christmas. <laughs> it must be Christmas. All right. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I, I don't have any uh, specific traditions like that in my family. I guess it, it was just the whole day after Christmas or day after Thanksgiving thing, but now yeah. it's just me and it's kind of hard to have traditions for one person. So I do what I want when I want and that's <laughs> how I like it. Cake is a big part of Christmas for me. I like cake. Um, <laughs> uh, Christmas movies. I assume loving Christmas. You also love Christmas movies. I do. Do you? But have... I have learned that this is a contentious thing. <laughs> among okay. People. <laughs> the definition of a Christmas movie varies from person to person. So let's just get that elephant out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your favorite Christmas films? Is there a type of Christmas film that you go to? Oh, I think if if I'm being honest, my favorite type of Christmas film are the Christmas films they show on the Hallmark Channel. Okay. Which I don't, is that a thing over Made for TV, very soppy. Uh, I know what it is. Yeah, very sappy, very mm. sentimental, usually features a romance of some sort. Not always. So yeah, those are generally my favorites. Um, specifically outside of Hallmark movies, I think two of my favorites are Dolly Parton movies. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, one is called Unlikely Angel, which is amazing. It's an amazing movie and it makes me cry. And yes, it stars Dolly Parton. <laughs> and the other one is called uh, Smoky Mountain Christmas. And uh, those two are both staples uh, for for Christmas time. And they used to show them on TV all the time. And now I have to like rent them, which is disappointing. But there is never a shortage of good Christmas movies on TV. At least in December. There there was a Hallmark film that a friend told me about last year, but we didn't organize for me to... I think she's got it on DVD uh, that came like free with a magazine or something. We never organized for me to get it, so I'm going to try and get it this year to watch it, called Help for the Holidays, starring Summer Glau as an elf. Yes. Which I want to see because it's Summer Glau. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think you'll enjoy it. I actually think you'll hate it, but I think you'll enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite Christmas films are the the big learning curve. People are against Christmas or Christmas is in trouble and something comes out of it. Elf is probably my favorite Christmas film. It's an immaculate film that does a lot very good. Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. Yes, I completely forgot about Elf. I love Elf. And mm. I love the Santa Claus. 
Mm. Have you seen this? I love all three of the Santa yes. Claus movies. I, I see it, but I don't believe it. <laughs> You're missing the point. What is the point? Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. I watched uh, Santa Claus 3 the other day. That was on TV. That's the one that has uh, Martin Short in it as it is. Jack Frost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That one's amazing. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I should not be as big a fan of Tim Allen as I am, but I mean, he plays Santa Claus really well. He does some very good films. <laughs> he he's, he does a very particular part every single time, but he does it very well. So I'll yes. buy it. Um, there's a Christmas film called Christmas with the Cranks that I particularly like. Very heartfelt film, which we are not watching this year, but I will get you to watch at some point. That Maybe next very, year. Yeah, that is a very nice Christmas film. Okay. So you love Christmas. You've seen the Christmas films. You watch Christmas films obsessively every year and as much as possible. You have them on TV. You've never seen the film called Christmas Vacation. <laughs> No. How come you've never watched Christmas Vacation? Okay, so I have always kind of assumed, and sort of correctly, that Christmas Vacation falls into the category of stupid humor. And I was a humor snob for most of my life and actively <laughs> chose not to watch things that I considered to be stupid humor. Mm -hmm. uh, this all changed in 2006 when Talladega Nights came out starring Will Ferrell. Okay. And at that point... I decided to embrace stupid humor, and now I appreciate it most of the time. Is stupid humor a kind of category of post-SNL? People who did skits on SNL, turning those skits into films or, or characters like those? Yes. So It's not exclusive to that, but yes, yeah. that that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> Anchorman, Ghostbusters, Blues Brothers, Animal House, this... Yeah, I will okay. say, though, that A Night at the Roxbury should fall into that category, but I adored that movie when I was in high school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't ask me why. That is a very appropriate high school film. That's exactly what they were pitching out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of my very first questions when I sat down to watch this movie was, what is a National Lampoon anyway? Because <laughs> I had no idea. I've always heard this, you know, National mm. Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's European Vacation, all this stuff. And I had no idea what it meant. And so when I was looking up the history and production information for this movie, I finally figured it out. Okay. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a 1989 Christmas comedy. It is the third in the National Lampoon film series, which was initially based on a short story written by John Hughes called Vacation 58 and published by National Lampoon magazine. I had no idea that was a magazine. The series portrays the misadventures of the Griswold family, and this film specifically is about a Griswold family Christmas based on another John Hughes short story called Christmas 59. Christmas Vacation stars Chevy Chase as the unfortunate Clark Griswold, Beverly D'Angelo as his wife Ellen, and Juliette Lewis and Johnny Galecki as the Griswold children Audrey and Rusty. The movie debuted at number two at the box office behind Back to the Future Part 2, but in its third week it hit number one and stayed there for two whole weeks. With a budget of $25 million, it grossed $71 million in the U.S. While the critical reception for the movie was mixed, it has become a modern Christmas classic. There have been six home video releases, and it is the only sequel in the Vacation series to have its own direct sequel. In 2003, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure premiered on NBC. And you can almost always find it on some cable channel during the month of December. So just to extend that a bit more... National Lampoon, the magazine, they made a couple of films, and one of the first ones was National Lampoon's Animal House. 
it was so cheap to make and so popular that it made a huge amount of money, like a significant thing. So they started putting National Lampoon at the beginning of other films, thinking it was the bankable thing, and, and people who were in those films then be- themselves became bankable. But rather than making their own films, they basically allow people to license the, the name National Lampoon for a one-off payment. Okay. So they weren't making films. It, it would be the equivalent of like someone making a superhero film, Hitch or something, and licensing Marvel to go at the beginning of it. Right. So there's like there's a Ryan Reynolds film, Van Wilder Party Liaison, which is known as National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Right. They just gave him a ton of money. Oh, <laughs> it's just it, to use the name, okay. Yeah, just to put National... So they're not making the films themselves, they're just licensing it out. But this one has a more direct relationship, though, since the story was actually published in the magazine, right? Yeah, so that, that first one was published and they made National Lampoon's Vacation, and then European Vacation, and then Christmas Vacation, and then... Oh, there's one more. Las Vegas Vacation? Yes. And then there's a quasi-remake sequel with, like, a grown-up Rusty. And then there's the sequel to this one. They're basically like, oh, everyone loves the Griswolds. Let's keep making them for diminishing returns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you guys haven't seen this movie, although I find that really hard to believe, Clark Griswold is determined to have the best Griswold family Christmas ever, despite problem after problem and conflict after conflict. So, Matthew, how did you watch this movie? I bought the DVD in a secondhand shop. I I suspect at timing of recording, we have the problem that it's a little too early for all the Christmas films to be on. Sky Cinema have just started their Christmas channel. I think I've mentioned before how they have a channel they change every month or so. They have a Christmas channel, but this one doesn't seem to be on it or on it yet. Okay. So, cool. How did you watch it? I had to rent it from Amazon. I feel like I need to like start doing what you're doing and going to the secondhand shops around here and looking at the DVDs they have. Hmm. The thrift stores. <laughs> Is there a difference? Yes, they're... No, they're the same. Okay. Yeah. Although, yeah, like a lot of the previous ones I've bought from charity shops. It's like a, a the Heart Foundation shop or the Oxfam shop. This was actually from a, a an actual, you, you take your DVDs in and trade them in and get store credit and stuff oh okay well then yeah i guess a thrift store is is more closely equated with what you're calling a charity shop Mm, yeah and a a secondhand shop would be like a traded store where you like almost like a pawn shop kind of yeah so differences in culture you guys Mm. (laughs) i love podcasting with you because i learn all these things that i just don't know (laughs) right what were your expectations for this you've obviously told us a little bit but Honestly, I was really worried I wasn't going to like it. Just because even though I... (laughs) I think everybody was worried I wasn't going to like it. Everyone was saying not not to like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Everybody was definitely kind of pushing me in that direction. And I still have some of that stupid humor baggage uh, from when I was a kid. Like, it's there's still some muscle memory in there. And so it's instinctual for me to say, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to like it. Even though the reality is, is, oh, that's stupid. Of course I'm going to like it, you know? Yeah. So there, there's a little bit of cognitive cognitive dissonance there. But other than that, I, I didn't really have expectations for it other than it was going to be about Christmas. Okay. Uh, you set up the top, Chevy Chase, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, and there's Randy Quaid and a couple of famous people as the kids. What's your experience of them? Uh, Chevy Chase, again, he is more of a pop culture icon than somebody I'm super familiar with his work. Which is surprising to me because I feel like I've seen his face in a lot of things. And apparently I really haven't. 
he was in a movie called Funny Farm. And then he was in this movie that I loved as a kid or I guess high school, middle high school uh, range. And I could never remember what it was called. I knew that it was creepy and it had to do with like this junkyard and some weird judge and one of the characters' noses falls off. And it was just really, really weird, but I knew it starred Chevy Chase. And so when I was looking through everything, trying to figure out what I knew him from, I found that movie and it's called Nothing But Trouble, which apparently was one of his bigger movies, but I've never actually heard that title before. So it's very strange, but it's really good, really funny, really weird. Oh, I haven't heard of it. (laughs) I don't think anybody has. It's very strange. (laughs) I mean, like I said, one of the dude's noses falls off. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird. It's like the closest thing I can relate it to is that it's kind of like a comedy version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, (laughs) but not really, but just kind (laughs) of. Okay. It's creepy. But funny. And it's Chevy Chase. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo, I know her from playing Patsy Cline in Coal Miner's Daughter. Ah. And uh, Randy Quaid, uh, crazy guy in Independence Day. Uh, he was one of the Amish bowlers in Kingpin. Mm-hmm. And apparently he was in Brokeback Mountain, but I don't remember his character in that. And he's been all over the news over the last decade or so because he's crazy now. Hmm. It happens, sadly. Beverly D'Angelo, I had never twigged what else I'd seen her in before looking up for this. Um, she is Barbara Miller in Entourage, some of the later seasons, which I don't think you've watched. I have not. No, oh, and I think you'd hate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did quite enjoy it for the most part, I will admit. I've grown up now, it's okay. But yeah, I was like, oh my God, she is Barbara Miller. No. okay and and she's also in a film called the house bunny which is also not a good film but is strangely very charming does that movie have anna faris in it it does have anna faris in it okay i think i've seen it or i've seen bits and pieces of it yeah she is a playboy bunny kicked out of the house and goes to become a matron something at a a sorority house mother house mother there we go yeah and she helps them helps them raise money and stay stay working and stuff and okay. it's incredibly charming i mean it's problematic in places as any film like that would be but anna faris goes a long way with me <laughs> she's understandably fun- so <laughs> she's, she's so funny though she is Ridiculous. Funny. um right we've talked about christmas films up top so i'm not going to ask you about other similar films we're going to get right into it did you enjoy christmas vacation i did I have to say, if you. I didn't enjoy it, it would be like I didn't like myself. So, <laughs> Do you want to elaborate I mean, on that? You guys, I am Clark Griswold. <laughs> I, I was very disturbed to find this out while I was watching this movie, but I am Clark Griswold. The sheer joy and excitement he had for putting lights on his house and shopping for the perfect Christmas gift and just wanting everything about Christmas to be perfect. For his family, having the perfect meal, having the most beautiful Christmas tree. Guys, that's me mm-hmm. to a T. There is like nothing about Clark that is not me, except that he's a man from the 80s. <laughs> I, I think I want to dive into some of the, the proper thoughts on the film in a little bit. This is the third film in the series. Like Some of these characters are fairly firmly established by this point. Did you feel like you've missed anything? No. 
Okay. Because they didn't really reference much from previous stuff. I mean, because this was about Christmas. Mm. And so we got that week of Christmas vacation right before Christmas. Yeah. And so I I felt like they did a really good job of introducing who these characters are and kind of what their personalities are, like right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of lines in there. Like, And I was trying to watch it with the thought of what if someone was coming to this fresh. There's a couple of lines of like, when have I ever gone overboard or when have I ever made too much of something or put too much expectation on something? And that's leaning into the hijinks of previous films. But but you kind okay. of get that from him as a character. So Right. Well, and mm. then you also get Ellen listing all of the things where he's gone overboard. And True. so you yeah. don't need to have seen those previous movies because you get the idea of what's going on. Hmm. Okay, um, right, let's dive into conversation on it. I want to start off with listener feedback. Okay. <laughs> um, particularly a couple of comments from uh, our friend Kate Met at Kate Met on Twitter, who uh, only saw it a couple of times before her husband moved in, but it's now a Christmas tradition for them, and they basically recite every line as it's spoken. So I wanted to know, like, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. Someone who watches it every single year. Why is it this film, or is it just because it's become a tradition or something. But apparently it is her husband's favourite film and he says, it's funny. And I kind of think that's the best summation. I can't go into this as like, oh yeah, I really love the characterization and the themes and the plotting elements and blah, blah. It's just funny. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a really good way to sum it up. (laughs) I, I, I think one of the reasons I can give it a pass for some of the highly problematic stuff is actually they're quite a good family. Um, Kate even uh, makes comment about this dysfunctional family, but they they feel a very natural family. There's a lot of ribbing and and some antagonization going on, but they are all supporting each other. Clark, Clark's direct family, his wife and his children, have a very natural relationship. His parents really want to look out for him and want him to do the best. You can see the relationship between Ellen and her parents and the sort of normal in-law relationship with Clark. But they're also happy when his lights work out, and they're also supportive of him over the bonus thing. And it's it's nice; it's not mean in its comedy. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really think about it that way because, I mean, again, this is not like the kind of movie where you can have some serious narrative analysis because it's just funny. And so I wasn't really yeah. thinking about it in, in those kind of terms. But you're right; it was never like mean spirited. All of the I mean, even when you have things like cut that turkey, I mean they <laughs> they still ate it. You know, they they oh, weren't yeah. mean. <laughs> so, um, it was it it was nice. They were nice. Um, mm. Lots of problems and issues, but none of it came from the relationships that they had with each other. Yeah, and and a little bit like we've said with a couple of the other comedies we've done, some of this the story is just something to hang off skits. So him getting getting the tree, getting locked in the loft, uh, putting up the lights. It's all just a series of misadventures. There's no particular narrative thread to them. It's just the funny things that can happen to you over Christmas season. And they happen to him as well. Yeah. Hmm. But I do want to do some narrative analysis of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's take this too seriously. There's a webcomic called XKCD, which is regularly poignant and funny. And they have a, an old uh, webcomic, or he has an old webcomic, about the, the most played Christmas songs based on the decade of release. And the majority of them are the 40s through the 50s. 
And I, I talked, well, I mentioned last week on Stand By Me about the baby boomers and we're looking back with nostalgia on these things. There is a tagline on this webcomic. Every year, American culture embarks on a massive project to carefully recreate the Christmases of baby boomers' childhoods. And that is the narrative of this film. He wants to, Clark wants to recreate what for him were perfect Christmases or what he looks back on so fondly. But now he clearly has a good job and is is successful and, and earns a good wage and hopefully gets a good bonus to do even more than that. So he wants everything to the nth degree. He wants the greatest naturally grown tree from the forest, the, the largest and fills the room. He wants more lights than can power the city. and <laughs> Every single member of the family to come for Christmas and to put them up and everyone to be happy and enjoy themselves. And we get that great scene in the middle of him watching the, the cine film of his childhood Christmases, which I think is like 59. It's like absolutely dating him as a baby boomer. Um, right. And how they were all squashed into the house and just having fun with each other. And he seems to be, as a kid, a bit unaware of the stuff going on around him. So the same stuff was potentially going on. But he just wants that glossy thing. And everyone around him is telling him like, Dad, you know, we don't need all these lights. We don't need to do this. It's just going to be fine. But he wants to turn it up and have the greatest Christmas ever. Well, yeah. Why not? Obviously, I don't come from the baby boomer generation, mm. but I felt the same way about Christmas that Clark does. It's a special, magical, wonderful time of year. It only happens once a year. So you want everything to be beautiful and perfect and different. And so if you can try to recreate some of that magic, especially if you feel like as a child you had perfect Christmases, then you're going to try to do that. So, I, I mean, I don't fault him for it at all because, I mean, like I said, I am Clark. Clark is me. <laughs> this is what I do every year. I didn't have particularly wonderful Christmases as a kid. I have memories of watching perfect Christmases on TV. And I think those are the Christmases I try to recreate now mm. in, in ways that make me happy. I mean, like I have been posting pictures of the the things that are going up in my yard and, and I bought a, a tinsel TARDIS and a tinsel R2-D2. And these are not things that would have been part of a perfect Christmas as a child. You know, when I was a kid, it was all about elegance and sophistication and, you know, all of that sort of thing. And now, like, I can embrace myself and still put it into that Christmas framework and make mm. it be wonderful. And and I think that's what Clark is doing in this movie. Yeah. And it's, I, I think, like I said, he wants everyone to be happy and, and enjoy themselves. And everyone is largely prepared to do that. I just love this. Let's turn it up to 11 <laughs> and do every single thing we can. Look, I'm going to have the brightest house and the biggest tree. <laughs> I will say that he had too many lights and that tree was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Christmas question for you. Does smell matter about the tree? Oh, this is a tricky question for me. Um, yes and no. Mm, not sure that's <laughs> an acceptable answer. <laughs> well, it's it's because I, as an adult who tries to make life as easy as possible for myself, I no longer insist on having a live tree. Okay. Because I live by myself and I do not have a truck. And so getting a live tree to my house and then hauling it off is a giant pain in the rear. Right. So I now have a fake tree that I can put up and take down and put away all by myself. <laughs> but until I became adult enough to understand that that was a thing that I should do to make my life easier, I always, always, always insisted on live trees. 
because they smell wonderful and they look wonderful and they just bring an element of tradition, I guess, Mm -hmm. to Christmas. And and so, yes, Christmas smells used to matter a lot to me. And and I have considered actually buying those little scenty (laughs) things that you can hang inside your fake tree to make them smell like a real tree. Like car air fresheners. Yes, but, but they're but, tree air fresheners. Going the tree, yeah. And but they don't smell right, and so I would rather not have a smell than to have a fake smell. Okay. <laughs> I am very specific in my weirdness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do a little bit of detail work on this film. Okay. Yeah. The neighbors, the yuppie neighbors, Julie Louise Dreyfus, is it? Yes. Jenny Louise Dreyfus, Julie. Julie. Julia. Julia. Her from Veep and Seinfeld. Yes. That's a lie. I love the neighbours. I love how ridiculous they are. I mean, them falling over when the lights are coming on and off is just the most ridiculous. But the, you know, something's destroyed the stereo and there's water on the floor. What's going on? And then the bit at the end of her wanting to go and punch them and her coming back and punching him. I like it. I like that it presents another look at Christmas. And their their Christmas is not wrong. I mean, you know, yuppies are uh, an easy joke to make these days. Or, or, and definitely they were at that time. But they're doing them. Oh, what are your thoughts on I the yuppies? I agree with you. <laughs> they're doing Christmas wrong. <laughs> Get well, okay, a goddamn no, tree, it, you <laughs> goddamn yuppies. <laughs> uh, it's not that they're doing Christmas wrong. It's just that they're really terrible people. <laughs> I mean, that that's really what it is. Because the, the very first time we see them, they're making fun of Clark. Mm. And just being absolutely mean to him. And all he's trying to do is get, you know, get his tree in the house. And they're just awful. They are not even nice to each other. No, they're all about the look of the thing. Which, um, so so I, I, I quite liked that their house got destroyed through mm-hmm. all of these various mishaps, <laughs> uh, which might make me a really terrible person too, but <laughs> I don't care. Okay, so that's the detail of the neighbors. There was a big plot about the bonus and his work and the boss and so on. And his, his friend who is also Chandler Bing's boss. And it, is, it seems to almost be the <gasps> same character. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. It's almost like they realized they needed a way to wrap the film up and have some big kind of crescendo to the end of the film. So they then inserted this plot in there about the about the bonus throughout it because it doesn't impact anything. Well, I mean, nothing in this movie impacts anything else. It's just a bunch of little vignettes. Yeah. Smushed together to fill up this week. <laughs> as As a character journey, I would talk about... Clark as the protagonist wanting a great Christmas for his family and these things getting in the way. I wouldn't talk about him wanting a swimming pool. Well, I, I don't think it's about the swimming pool itself. It's about giving his family something nice. Mm. Like, I don't think the swimming pool is really for him, despite the male gazy fantasy with the shop clerk that he had. Well, we'll come to you that. Know? <laughs> but, but if you, I mean, if you think about the fantasy, though, even then, he was inside his house watching his family enjoy the pool before it morphed into the fantasy. Hmm. And so it is more about him providing something for his family, for wanting his family's life to be wonderful and for him to give them the best that he absolutely can. Clark is a good man. He's a good dad. He is a good husband. And he's just really unlucky in life as he tries to make things happen. Yeah. (laughs) 
though it seems to generally turn out for the best in mm. the end. And that's the nice thing about it. Again, I'm saying the film is nice because he wants good things to happen and eventually they do. They're not necessarily the way they wanted them and he does go a bit berserk at times, but everyone's there to support each other and work through it. And they're happy for him when things go right. Yes. Let's talk about the, the almost problematic bits. When I was watching this, I was like, oh God, stop with the scene with the shop girl, then stop with the swimming pool scene. Mm. Please just stop it. I was like... Mandy's going to hate this film and this is only going to make it worse and it's going to make the conversation really difficult because I can't defend this. It's awful. <laughs> no, it is indefensible, except that it was made in 1989. Yeah. You know, and that was common and reasonable in 1989. I mean, mm. it's awful. I was typing in all caps at the shop girl, like, who is trying to sell something and lifts their skirt up to show you their non-existent panty line like that does not yeah. happen you know i i was definitely in my shouty all ca- all caps phase here um mm. but it was such a small small part of the film that it was easy to whistle past yeah uh, him being like oh my wife has we split up she's deceased or like no stop it we don't need this as a story unfortunately like you say it's just a small gag yeah but, uh... And then, like, yeah, I mean, the movie did not need it. Nothing would have changed if if that hadn't been in there, no. if the character hadn't been in there. But I th- I feel like that, that is something they do in all of these movies. I haven't actually seen any of these movies from start to finish, but I've seen bits and pieces. Hmm. And and I feel like in one of them, there's another gag where, where Clark is driving and he looks over and he sees, like, I want to say Christy Tarlington, but it's not Christy Tarlington. It's some big model from the 80s early 90s and he's just like flipping out and they're driving and he almost wrecks you know and and so i just feel like having this beautiful woman that he's like drooling all over is just something that they always insisted in putting in these movies yeah the first film has uh christy brinkley Brinkley. christy brinkley that's yeah yeah. she um i think they almost even have an affair in the film and it's just yeah it's it's an obvious thing of films of that time sadly yeah. Uh, I, I will say, I don't mind the joke about him. No, do I mind? The the joke about him going shopping for lingerie and getting all flustered. It's an obvious gag, but it can be done quite well and in a quite funny way. And I like that there's a slight callback to it. When the tree's burnt down, he gets the new tree in and he's putting presents under it. And the, the present, the box with all the, the nice underwear is wrecked. So he's got this like flimsy little thong thing and he's kind of draping it on the tree. It's a small moment, but it's just like, oh yeah, he bought that earlier in that that problematic scene. You know, he's like, what do I do with it? Oh, I'm just going to put it there. It's, it's kind of like tinsel. <laughs> wow, I do not remember that. Yeah, as I say, it's a really little. Just as he's arranging stuff, so the joke is he's having to put stuff back there. But I don't yeah. even remember him getting a new tree. What was I watching? Well, the tree burns down. He goes yes. out and cuts a new tree down, which smashes into the neighbor's house. Oh, that's right. That's has, where the, the squirrel, squirrel comes it. from. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I was so focused on the squirrel, I forgot about everything else. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah, it's, it's the, there, is, there are big moments of this film happening, and they throw in some other gags as well, which is always nice. Yes. Okay. So I feel like we're moving into gushing about this film. I don't have many more details to talk about. I like it opening up in the car because that throws us back to the previous two films, which are all about them traveling around in a car. I liked them singing in the car. <laughs> Rusty, take if it. If I was married, if I was married, kids, I, would, 
<laughs> totally be doing that to my kids. Yeah. We do. I have a Christmas playlist that I add to every year. And just expands and expands and expands. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I also have a Christmas playlist that I put together this year, hey. uh, paring down my previous ones because, you know, you only need so many versions of a single song in a playlist before it just gets to be ridiculous. So, Except for the Twisted Sister Twisted Christmas album. You can have duplicates of all of them. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I love that Christmas album. It's amazing. <laughs> Not as good as Bob Dylan's Christmas album. <laughs> Okay. My little Santa Claus, my little Santa Claus. <laughs> well, shit. I don't think I've heard either of those. So maybe my, my love for Christmas is you know, not as real as I thought it was. I, li- I like a, an offbeat Christmas song. <laughs> I will I will link to it somewhere and you can listen. Uh, you might okay. not include them in your list. Right. <laughs> Are there any more details of this film that you wanted to talk about? Not, nothing that would not delve into gushing. Okay. I mean, because really everything that I want to talk about are the things that I loved about this movie because the problematic things that I didn't love are things I can whistle past. And so everything else is just stuff that I adore. Nice. And and I'm pleased about that because we, we did our usual call out for thoughts on this film. And a lot of the thoughts were oh, they're not necessarily negative, but just people being like, oh, yeah, it's kind of stupid. So your, your thing about stupid humor. Um mm-hmm. At We Do Words, I have one very specific memory of this, and it involves the onset of symptoms caused by a stomach GI bug just when the turkey was cut. <laughs> and, and yeah, that is a uh, difficult I feel so moment. bad. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad. I mean, because that moment was difficult enough without feeling sick already. So. Yeah, absolutely. But it was really funny, and it made me love Ellen even more, so... Uh, she continued, I maybe saw it one or two times after that. It's the Griswold family movie I'm most willing to watch, but that's not saying much. Yep. Well, it's uh, the only Griswold family movie I watched. So. <laughs> At E. Beth and Rama, we watched it last year and realized it fell into the category of comedies from the 80s that aren't exactly appropriate for kids by today's standards. I think this is not hugely inappropriate, but there are some, the tirade and some daft comedy moments. Okay. I mean, because I was going to say, I want to unpack that for a minute because oh. I I don't think I would have a problem showing this to a child. I mean, as long as there were like honest conversations about why that male gay stuff isn't appropriate and, and things mm. like that, most of it is fine. It's not inappropriate, I don't think. See, I'm not sure. What am the, I missing? The, the police breaking down and smashing the houses and him smashing houses and not caring. It's almost you have to explain bits of it as you go through. Why, why, why is he? Why are the police there? Why are they smashing this down? And I can't see a kid being hugely enthused by a story about him not getting his bonus and his his boss getting right. kidnapped. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying I think kids would enjoy it, mm. but I don't, I don't know that it's inappropriate comedy. Yeah, of, of but all. Of the... I am also a child of this time, so <laughs> yeah, I may be just equating what was okay for me as a kid to uh, what might be okay today. So. But um, I don't. I don't have kids, so I, I might feel differently if I did have kids. Mm. At Gypsy Book Nerd, I don't really like the National Lampoon movies, and haven't watched Christmas Vacation during the holidays ever, as far as I remember. All I will say is that if you love Christmas, you should watch this movie. Um, and well, let's let's finish off on uh, at Generosity. Loved it as a kid, but it's one I don't think I'd enjoy as an adult anymore. The jokes are just too obvious and over the top for me. No particular Christmas memories for this movie either. Am I the only person who loves this movie? 
Like this is like so backwards from how this usually is. Mm. I, I, it's one I am happy to watch at Christmas. I was expecting to have to defend the film a lot more. There are moments in this that I genuinely smile and laugh at, which we're about to get to. But there's not enough in it for me to go. I am going to watch this every year very happily. We we've got another one of those films coming up that I love watching every year. We've got films like Elf that I just adore and happy to have on. This I'll put on if it's there. That's fair. I mean, I don't know that I would go actively seek this movie to mm-hmm. say, oh, I have to watch this movie every year because there are so many others that are better. But I think I just, I feel a kinship to this movie. Clark is like a kindred spirit to me. Mm. And I don't see that super often. I mean, Buddy the Elf is also a kindred spirit to me. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. Um, but other than that, you know, Christmas movies are largely, uh, I don't know, different. I, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Um, but they, they tend to just not be quite in this level of family comedy, maybe, mm-hmm. is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And I just really appreciated it. Nice. Would you say Clark's love of Christmas is your favorite thing about it and how much you you empathize with Clark? Mm. Oh, that's a tie. Can I have a tie for the, the things that I love the most about this movie? Yeah. Tell me your favorite things. Clark's love of Christmas and his wife. Mm. Ellen is a freaking national treasure and I love her. I love yeah. her so much. So my takeaway from this movie is that I am Clark and I want to be Ellen. Okay. And so I can't I can't decide which one is better because they're they're both awesome. Clark's joy and just absolute love of Christmas just warms my heart and and makes me happy and it's wonderful. But Ellen is sassy and sarcastic but still supportive and it's just wonderful. Mm. I mean so in, in that, that turkey scene, when you're watching them, oh, I don't know why they decided to eat that turkey. <laughs> I, I don't know why that was a thing that happened. That should not have happened. But if she's sitting there bringing the fork up to her mouth and just smiling all sweetly. And then all of a sudden she flicks the fork so that the, the meat goes away. And then she like pretends that it's wonderful still, you know, things like that. My favorite, favorite, favorite scene of, of Ellen's uh, was when uh, Ellen and Clark were talking about Eddie and how he's been out of work for like seven years and they can't afford Christmas for their kids. And and she says, Catherine says he's been holding out for a management position. And then she pauses and the look on her face is the most epic throwing of shade that I have ever seen <laughs> from a 1980s movie. And it was amazing. And then, you know, things like when the cops showed up at the end and she's like, well, it's our first kidnapping or our first family <laughs> kidnapping or something like that. And it's not something that she did consistently. It was, or, or I guess maybe not persistently. It was something that just came out every once in a while. And I think that elevated it. And mm. it just made her I'm like, I, I want to be her. Like, I aspire to that level of sass. She's so like in down the to moment earth. when yeah. it's needed. <laughs> and I loved it. So, I mean, Clark and Ellen are like two of my favorite characters, I think, of a movie I've seen in a long time. Mm. And one of Clark's more interesting moments, not 
not a Christmas loving moment is, but it made me laugh so hard when he was trying to catch the squirrel and he asked for a hammer and Ellen says, what do you need a hammer for? And he goes, catch it in the coat, smack it with a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) And I just about fell out laughing because it was funny. I mean, it was horrifying, but it was funny. Like there, there was just a lot of funniness in this movie. Yeah, it it does the right thing with something that is just wanting to be funny. Like exactly like Kate said, it it is just funny because it just throws gags at it. You were saying about her thing of sorry, it's our first kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Just after that, the police burst in. It might even be that moment. The police burst in and they tell them all to freeze, and she freezes like bent over, one arm around Clark, the other right. arm on Chevy Chase's crotch. Her hand just on his crotch, and then right. when the boss's wife walks in, she she like holds her hand out, like "Please to meet you, meet you, welcome to our home." Shakes her hand, and then it goes back on his crotch. <laughs> it's right, just, right. It's so ridiculous, and it's a little moment that makes me laugh. And I, I love that there's a little moment like that for you. That's just like that's so daft. It works. Yes, I've got a, a whole sort of sequence, probably about a third of the way through. Where there's just moment after moment. I think this is probably where the film wins me over and just makes me happy that, okay, okay, this is doing some good comedy. Where if they put up the giant tree they've cut down from the forest and it bursts out everywhere and he's inside it and he makes a thing of like, oh, there's a lot of sap in here. And then it cuts to them (laughs) in bed and and he's reading a magazine. He takes an insert out of the magazine. It's stuck to his hand. And then he turns the page and the page is stuck to his hand. And then... He talks to her and he puts his hand on her head and then he turns to turn <laughs> off the lamp and his hand is stuck to her hair and his hand, other hand across him gets stuck to the lamp and he's just like trying to untangle himself <laughs> from everything. And it's almost, they don't call attention to it because there's actual ex- exposition about the family going on in the in this scene. So that's probably the most important thing. But at the same time, they've got this great gag going on. It was made even better by Ellen's reaction because she's just sitting there talking to him while her hair is all covered across her yeah. face because he can't get his hand out of it. And like, she's not laughing. She's not irritated. She's just like, God, this is another Clark thing. And she's yeah. just still talking. <laughs> and it it was great. It was a great yeah. scene. Um, and then shortly after that, the family arrives. And we've had some complaints about the family and we've had some other things going on. But the doorbell goes, and the doorbell goes a couple of times, and you just get a reaction shot from every member of the family just being like, oh, God, they're here. <laughs> and it really does set you up, like, right, we're now getting into it. We're now going to have the family arguments and some of the obvious Christmas stuff. But I really like that, that you get a shot of each of them doing something and just, like, pausing the TV or looking up from a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he eventually gets all the lights up and he's talking about the 25,000 lights and blah, 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 blah. And he asks them to do a drum roll. And everyone looks around like, how do we do a drum roll? And Ellen starts and she's doing a genuinely good drum roll with her mouth. And then the family joins in. You've got some of them going, blip, 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 blip. And one of the grandmothers is going, And you have them all doing different drum rolls. But it's so wonderful because they're all trying to participate and be supportive of Clark and his lights. Yeah. 
And it's amazing. It's lovely. It reminds me, I don't think you've seen it, but the chicken moment from Arrested Development. I've not seen no. it. Okay. At some point we will watch that and, and you will know what I mean, because there's another moment exactly like that. And and of course, then it, there's lots of other goings on, but it culminates in eventually them working out what's going on with the lights. And she figures out that it's the switch and she throws it at the moment he plugs it all in. So you get the sparks mm-hmm. and the house just lights and he's so overjoyed. And we've already had the gag of the lights coming on and the meters spinning, 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 and they have to turn on the emergency reactor and so on. So we've had the gag of how many lights and now we have the gag of he's so happy and he's embracing everyone and making jokes about it. The, the father-in-law like, you said they were going to twinkle. They're not twinkling. <laughs> His reaction just, thanks for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say that was my reaction too. I was like, come on, Clark, you said they were twinkle lights. Those are not twinkle lights. But I, I, I love, they go on and he and his wife are happy. And then he hugs his mum and he's like, I wanted you to have this mum. And it's such a lovely heartfelt Aww. moment. It's great. Yeah. And that's Christmas. And that's why this is a good Christmas film. Yes. Yeah. This, this is a good Christmas film because at the end of the day, it's about the family and the family being together and making the family happy. Exactly. And that's Christmas. So moving out of this Christmas film, is there anything more we need to talk about it? Well, there are a couple of things that we didn't bring up, and I don't mm-hmm. quite know how we didn't bring them up, but I feel like this would be a terrible Christmas vacation podcast if we didn't mention Eddie's black dicky under the white shirt. Okay. <laughs> I did not when even I... notice it until I read your notes. I just really? noticed that he was dressed ridiculously. I'd never sort of thought about it in those terms, but yes, it's good. No, it's it's amazing because, I mean, you can tell he's trying so hard to dress nicely. <laughs> but when you look at him, there's the square, the black square from his, yeah. like, like turtleneck <laughs> dickie with this, like, very thin shirt over it. And I was dying mm-hmm. because it's so funny. And, like, it, it's not something to gush about and it's not, like, a serious detail, but it was hysterical and... It just made me laugh. And it turns out, I think people sell Dickies as related to Christmas Vacation because of that scene. Oh, nice. (laughs) Which I think is hilarious. Can I just throw in there? The film does an interesting thing with Randy Quaid's character because I think he's in the very first vacation. And then obviously he was very popular, so they bring him back for this. But it's, it's almost unclear what relation he is to the family. Oh, no, it's not almost unclear. It is unclear. It basically implies he's Clark's brother. Yes. I thought he was Clark's brother for most of the movie. Yeah. And towards the end, he said cousin-in-law by marriage, I think is what he said. And so that's when I figured out he was actually related to Catherine, and Catherine was his cousin. But it took most of the movie to get there. Well, Catherine's his wife, and she is Ellen's cousin. Ellen's cousin, not Clark's yeah, cousin. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so he's completely tangentially related to them, right? But the way the film is set up, it's like they're brothers. So it, it does really clearly they like knew brothers. he'd be popular. And in that scene where they're drinking, I think they're drinking from cups that are from the theme park that is the crux of the first vacation film. They want to get to this Wally World theme park, and I think the mooses are from Wally World. I think the mooses are from Wally World. Okay. Yeah. It was only noticed on the second time. I'm like, I I think that's just a really subtle little thing about the first film. I just assumed they were like some 
really ridiculous tacky Christmas decoration that Clark loved. Yeah, like a reindeer or something. But yeah. I, I think there's an element of the cartoon moves to it. Okay. Hmm. That's nice. Sorry, you said there was a second thing and I'm talking over you. Oh, no. no. Hey, we, we can talk about this maybe all day. No, that was me segueing you to the second thing. <laughs> I know. So I was a little bit frustrated that for someone who claims to love Christmas as much as Clark does, and as much as he clearly does from watching this mm. movie, he sure waited until way too close to Christmas to start doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't put those lights on his tree, I mean, on his house until the day his family shows up for Christmas. He didn't buy the tree until the day or maybe the day before his family is showing up for Christmas. And so, I mean, they're only staying for a couple of days. So at most, this is like three or four days before Christmas. And if you love Christmas that much, he should have had that stuff up weeks ago. That's that's like my only like nitpick frustration terrible thing about this movie is that should have been done differently i never thought about that until i saw it in your notes and and yeah i can see that you have a point i have a head cannon for you okay okay uh doorbell goes the family all look up and they're like oh god the grandparents are here and they let them in and there's the whole kerfuffle of everyone coming in and kissing and talking and and the kids being given a quarter and all of this kind of thing and he has lines like I'm going to park the cars and check the luggage and I'll be outside for the season. We're going to have the best looking house in town. And he starts going to put up the lights. I think he's waited so that he can get out of the house (laughs) when the family's there. I think he's smarter than this implies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I can go with that. I I can because they, they did set that up just the way you said. So that's a possibility. It's just, it's hard for me to believe that somebody who loves Christmas that much would wait until the last minute because honestly it would be impossible to put that many lights on his house in the amount of time that he did it in this movie Mm -hmm. especially considering they had to untangle them he checked every (laughs) single one of those twenty-five thousand bulbs twice there's no way this happened in a single day (laughs) where he's got the giant ball and he's like oh there's a knot in there you need to work on that (laughs) perfect father-son thing it'll build character lad yes Yeah, so, it, I mean, that's all. And, and I know that's a little nitpick just because I'm a Christmas crazy person. I've been told I have Christmas mania. <laughs> um, you know, so I'll, I'll go with that. And, and not everybody is quite like I am. And I know that there are a lot of people who don't even put their tree up until Christmas Eve. Crikey. You know, and if that's you, you do you. Yeah. That's your tradition and it's wonderful. I just don't understand it. And so going through this much work and waiting just drove me a little bit crazy but that's okay we always did our tree fairly close to christmas but my parents were teachers so it was basically like once they were on their christmas break then it could be christmas in like decorations and stuff right so i I can understand that no Um, every family has their own way of doing things yeah having seen christmas vacation are you interested in watching the original vacation and European vacation, the two before this? Maybe. I'm hesitant to say yes, because I feel like the reason I love this family so much is because this movie shows how much Clark loves Christmas. And that's why I relate to him so much. And I'm afraid that seeing him act the same way and go through all of these hijinks in a non-Christmas setting 
would be a disappointment to me. Okay. I'm not saying it would be. I'm just saying I have concerns. Got it. I remember. I I, I can remember some good stuff from the first film. I'm. I always want to watch the second one because I since moving there, I I like watching London on screen. So I'll be quite interested to see what they okay. do with it. But I also know it's basically going to be one giant stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. And I know in one of them, and and this is in my notes too. In one of these movies, there is something about a dog. And I'm not okay with the thing that happened to the dog. Uh, okay, and yeah. I don't want to see one. that. I'm I'm yeah. really glad it wasn't in this one. So yeah, and the dog in this one. We'll so they introduce the dog, and they're like, "Oh, he's called Snot because of his sinus infection." And then they never refer to his name or the illness again. <laughs> like, so so that's just one throwaway gag that I, I, isn't my sort of humor. I'm not sure, don't think it's your sort of humor either. But they're just throwing, like, okay, well, we've got to give the dog a name. So why don't we give it a ridiculous name because of something disgustingly funny? <laughs> they're just throwing stuff and hope it makes someone out there laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that is the perfect description for mm. what they did yeah. with many of the gags in this movie. Mm. Great. But many of them landed really well. Yeah. The old aunt, first doing the Pledge of Allegiance and then singing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so well-timed. Oh, I couldn't stop laughing. Play ball! Stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Oh, this movie, it's just good. It's funny. It's funny. I think that's like the name of this episode. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what it, else are you going to say? It has enough stuff in there. It even has Melikalikimaka, and that is not a Christmas song I hear very often, and I love that song very much. Melikalikimaka is a thing to say on a bridal wild Christmas day. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. It's in my playlist. Yeah. Uh, we want to say thank you to everybody who sent us feedback on this movie so that we could include it in the episode. And if you'd like to have your thoughts and feedback featured in our episode, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. I know a lot of you do like to interact with us on Twitter. And if you forget to use the hashtag, sometimes it can get lost. So please remember hashtag PC Deprived. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com or you can leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. You can also find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. We have a Patreon that uh, all our lovely patrons support us and support the other shows that we put together. Um, it's 100% funded by our listeners. So to find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And don't forget to recommend us to friends and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, visit eloquentgushing.com, our homepage, to view our other shows and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about the winner of our poll, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lipped, worm headed sack of monkey shit he is. <laughs> I'm so glad you did that. In one breath, thank you. Yes. I'm so glad you did that. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com.